Hi guys, this is Fiona from IELTS Exam Training Courses and Members Academy. Today I'm going to focus on one task that came up during the Advent Challenge and this task was all about hedging. If you've never heard of hedging before, it may, may sound a little bit weird. Even the term hedging doesn't seem right but it's a really important feature of academic writing. So hopefully today I'm going to give you lots of examples so that you will start to understand what hedging is and why we need it and how you can use it. And then I promise you, you'll start noticing it in, in all your academic reading. You'll, you'll realise what the importance of hedging is. Let's start with a quick example. So imagine you've had a task two question about, um, I don't know, the, how can we encourage young people to eat better? And I have a sentence from one of my students. They said, young people prefer to eat fast food. Now, what's the problem with that statement? I'll read it again. Young people prefer to eat fast food. Well, my first reaction is to think, really, is that true? And if it's not true, it's just a claim. Um, so I can easily dismiss that claim. I can say, actually, that's, that's absolute rubbish. The young people that I know tend to eat very healthily. So I can easily dispute that claim. And you don't want people to dispute your claims. You can, of course, have an opinion. Now, that's different. You could say, I think young people prefer to eat fast food. In that case, that's just your opinion. And you've made it really clear that it's an opinion rather than a fact. But for um, IELTS, academic writing and task two writing, you need to be really clear about what is your opinion and what is something that you are claiming to be true, possibly without any evidence. Now, if you're claiming something to be true, but you don't have any evidence to support that, then you need to be cautious. So some people say hedging is a way of being cautious, of being careful of softening your claims. And the reason why you need to do it is, well, as we just said, it stops the reader from dismissing your claims or disagreeing with you. It allows you to tell the reader how sure you are about your claims. So this gives you a kind of authority authoritative voice. It, it shows that you are aware of the bigger picture and that makes your language more precise and it helps you to avoid sweeping generalizations. That's a collocation, sweeping generalizations. I'm sure you know what I mean. Um, we, we all generalize and we all tend to have stereotypical ideas, but that's not what you want for academic writing. You want to be precise and exact. And this hedging allows you to be more precise about what you're saying. 
Ironically, some people say that hedging is using vague language. Well, it is vague in a way because you're being really, really careful to avoid generalizations. So if you say young people prefer fast food, then you're being very specific. You're saying all young people like fast food. But the problem is that is just way too general. You have to be a lot more careful. Let me show you the example that I wrote to illustrate what hedging is. It's a long sentence and I know probably it's too much. It's got too much hedging in it. But I wanted to show you very clearly how hedging works. So remember our starting statement was young people prefer to eat fast food. Now, I don't want anybody to disagree with me. I don't want people to tell me that my idea is rubbish. So I'm going to make a more careful statement. And this is it. It is often thought that many young people tend to eat food which may be considered unhealthy. Although some youngsters might go to fast food outlets quite regularly when compared to older age groups, evidence suggests that in general this assumption is largely untrue. Okay, now I know that that sounds vaguely ridiculous. Um, do have a look at it on my website where you can you can read um, both. Well, I've got a whole blog about this, which you can read to review what I'm saying today. But although that statement does seem long, it is actually much better than the first short one for many reasons. So instead of me making this claim that has no evidence, I'm now saying that people often think this is true. I said at the start, it is often thought that. Then I don't say all young people, I say many young people. So this many is a key word that changes everything. Instead of saying all young people um, commit crime, <laughs> Um, no, that's not a good example. But many changes your generalization and it makes it safe. Um, yeah, so many young people tend to eat food. I don't say always. Again, I'm not saying all young people always eat food. I say tend to eat food. And then I said, which may consi be considered to be unhealthy. So instead of just generalizing about fast food, I've been more careful. I've said some people consider this kind of food, which is labeled fast food, as unhealthy. But again, you know, people disagree about what is unhealthy, what is fast food. I mean, noodles are fast food, but they're extremely healthy. So I'm being really careful and precise. Now, I don't end there. I've given more explanations. I've said, although 
some youngsters might go to fast food outlets. So can you hear it now? I don't say all youngsters. I say some youngsters. I don't say they go. I say they might go using modals to fast food outlets quite regularly, not all the time, but quite regularly when compared to older age groups. So I'm putting the statement in context. Again, I'm just saying, okay, well, maybe there's an element of truth because, okay, young people tend to go to places like McDonald's more than older people. So I've, I've said, yes, I agree to an extent. That's my concession. But evidence suggests that, again, not my opinion, but evidence suggests that in general, not always true, but in general, this assumption, assumption is what people believe to be true, this assumption is largely untrue, not completely untrue, but largely untrue. So I've really covered my back now, as they say, as the expression goes, I've covered my back. It would be very difficult for anybody to disagree with me now. I'm not saying one thing is true. I'm saying some people think sometimes, not all people, but when compared to old people, this might be true. I'm, I'm hedging, hedging, hedging throughout. And the word hedge, my students in the Members Academy know it very well. When I mark their writing, little comment in the in the uh, sidebar, I always write hedge, question mark, and they go back and they quickly put a modal verb or a many or something to just change it a little and it becomes habit. And you can see the difference. I mean, even on a very basic level, the number of words, there are about five times more words here, but they are all important. It's complex. Um, there are linking words. Um, each adjective or adverb has a description, so quite regularly, um, largely untrue. Um, and there's a list of these features which I'm going to go through with you today. And as I said earlier, once you start to notice them, you can't help but see them everywhere. Um, let me show you another example. I've just found this. Um, every week in the Members Academy, we do a writing. And this week, it's task two. The question is, in many places, new homes are needed. But the only space available for building them is in the countryside. Some people believe it is more important to protect the countryside and not build new homes there. What is your opinion about this? Now, it's quite a difficult topic, isn't it, to suddenly have an opinion about when you've maybe never thought about it before. Um, so what I've done in preparation for my students, I found five articles, background reading, that I want them to read before they write the essay, because this provides them with um, the facts about building new homes in the countryside. 
It has lots of opinions from different people who know what they're talking about. So these are from reliable sources like The Guardian, for example. And it, I've taken out of all of these articles, five articles, I've taken out the language that they can use in their writing. So, for example, um, this is somebody's opinion. It says, um, building houses on the green belt is always contentious, but sometimes building on protected land can deliver a more positive outcome for communities and developers than the alternatives. So in just that sentence, there are three features of hedging. Sometimes building on protected land can deliver, not always, but now they're safe. They're not saying it's much better, they're safe sometimes. It can deliver a more positive outcome than the alternatives. So there's a comparison there. It's not saying um, it's completely better, but in some areas, there's a more positive outcome, possibly. So you can you can you can see it in any academic or, or formally written article. So let's go back and let's have a look at um, the these features. I'm going to go through them one by one. And the article I've written is called How to Hedge. So the first one is using, and when I when you look at my blog, you'll see that each sentence from that example is put into a group of words and a list. So the first group is called it and that clauses. So it and that clauses are the ones where you say, for example, it is often thought that. So it's not saying that you're right or it's your opinion. You're saying it is often thought or it could be suggested or it might be the case or it is generally agreed. You know, depends on how sure you want to be. Um, there is a possibility that um, it is likely or it is unlikely that. So those phrases distance your writing from a very a direct opinion. The second one we looked at was adverbs of frequency. So instead of saying always true, you'd say something like often or usually, commonly, regularly, frequently, sometimes, occasionally, rarely, or hardly ever. Um, so even that word like hardly ever, you could say, well, my son hardly ever goes to McDonald's. I'm not saying he never goes. That would be too absolute. But using hardly ever hedges a little bit. Nobody can tell me that I'm lying. <laughs> the next one is quantifiers. Um, I said many young people you, you can choose whatever quantifier you think is accurate. You could say most young people or the majority. You could say most young people do a lot of sport and therefore they burn off a lot of calories more easily than older people. Therefore, it's not such a worry. 
Um, you could say several or some or a few or uh, getting to the small quantities, a minority or a fraction of. And you could also limit your uh, scope by saying in certain situations or to some extent. Next one, there's a list of what I call hedging verbs, really. So instead of saying young people eat fast food, you could say they tend to uh, prefer uh, easy meals or they have a tendency to or it appears that or they seem to, which may suggest that or may indicate that. So those four or five verbs are uh, can be used to replace uh, the verb is. Instead of saying is or are, you say they tend to or they seem to. The same goes for modals. That's the next one. Uh, so very, very simply, instead of saying they are, you'd say they may or they might or they could or they can. There are other modals um, you can use like the noun form. So it has the potential to or the possibility of and even modal adverbs, for example, possibly, or arguably, probably, perhaps, certainly, definitely. Then come the passives. So the passives were in the first group, like it is often thought that. Um, other forms of passives, you could say the term is often used to mean. So fast food, for example, the term is often used to mean food which is high in calories or um, full of fat. Something is labelled as, so this is often labelled as junk food, but it's not necessarily junk food, you could argue. It is considered to be or can be described as unhealthy. They are all passive forms. Then you've got the modifiers. So like we said with the quantifiers where you kind of limited your scope, the modifiers do the same thing. So instead of saying it's, it's totally bad for your health, you could say it's quite unhealthy or rather somewhat. And other sides of the spectrum, they are mostly or largely somehow in general as a rule approximately about. So again, it's more vague. It's not saying 100%. Then there's the context. And here we need comparisons. Um, so like I said before, with the young people compared to old people, that is certainly true that young people go more often to McDonald's. But actually, that does not mean that lots of young people go to McDonald's. It just seems a lot when compared to the older generation, perhaps. So the comparison is, is a really useful tool. And you can say when compared to or in comparison with or simply by saying more or less often than. Um, and or in a kinder way than, um, that's just an adjective in the middle, but uh, using adjectives with the ER, the short form, in a, in a faster way or in a 
more gentle way or in a more expensive way. Any of those adjectives could go there. And the final thing on the list is evidence. Um, so we've said that when you're making a claim, the word claim is really important because it means you don't have any evidence for it. So what do you do then? Well, you can suggest that there is evidence. You can say evidence suggests. You don't need to say where this evidence comes from. It's enough to say evidence suggests. In fact, if I look at that list um, that I wrote um, for my students about uh, building in the countryside, it quite often said the data suggests that. Here we go. Um, it says some claim that. Now, that's good. Some claim that. Not only... Oh, let me go back to the first line. The arguments against such developments are numerous. So it's a nice topic sentence. Some claim that not only do they affect the amount of countryside available to us, but they also fail to resolve any issue of providing affordable houses with data suggesting that the homes being built in the countryside are often in a higher price bracket and thus unattainable to most home buyers. Now, even as you read that, you're probably hearing the hedging. I didn't plan that, actually. I was only focusing on the data suggesting that. So, there's no evidence. They don't give the data. They don't refer to where that data comes from. You don't need to. You can simply say with data suggesting or with evidence suggesting that. So that's all I wanted to say. But actually, when you look at the whole sentence, you can see the hedging as well. For example, homes built in the countryside are often in a higher bracket. So often, not always, but often, and thus unattainable to most home buyers. Not all home buyers, but most home buyers. I, I really, I hadn't even noticed that before. I'm just reading that out and I, and I can see it now. <laughs> um, so the use of evidence suggests that expression or evidence appears to indicate Again, that's softer. Or there is some evidence which indicates. And, and that's all you need. So that's the list. And at the end of the blog, there's uh, just a warning. It says, don't over hedge. Um, so now that you've discovered hedging, maybe there's a danger that you might over-hedge and use too many redundant words, words that you don't need to say. As we've seen from the examples, the real examples from newspapers, they use maybe two to three maximum in a sentence, and that's all you need. So here's an example. The topic is the danger of video games. And I made one sentence, video games makes people violent. 
Now, obviously, straight away now, you know that that is way too simplistic. What does that mean? It means that everybody who ever watched a, a video game suddenly became violent. Well, we know that's not true. But if I try to hedge that statement like this in a minute, you'll think, oh, my goodness, that's too long. I'm going to hedge now. It is often thought by some people that perhaps many youngsters might possibly prefer to spend a large proportion of their time playing video games that might be considered as arguably having the potential to be dangerous in certain circumstances. I'm using all those hedging techniques, the video games that might considered to be dangerous in certain circumstances, but I'm still using way too much in this one sentence. So here are some better examples. There is some evidence to suggest that video games may be linked to violence. That's all you need. There is some evidence that they may be. There's just two there. And then you might continue by saying the opposite. You might say, however, blah, blah, blah. Another example it is often thought that playing video games can have a harmful effect on young people. So I've softened that statement. I didn't say it makes everybody violent. I've said it can have a harmful effect on some people, i.e. young people. And I've said it is often thought, but then the next sentence could be, however, data suggests that this is untrue. So you can always um, contradict the thing that people usually think, but you at least you are addressing the question. Let me give you another example. British food, um, a very controversial topic amongst my students. Um, one of the most common things they say is British food is awful. British food is terrible. Well, my immediate say, my immediate thought is, okay, some British food is not great. It's not as good as, um, you know, Italian food, for example. So I'm, I'm immediately comparing it. But, you know, what is British food? British food nowadays is Italian food and Indian food and all the other marvellous cuisines that we have all over the world. British food is really varied. But, yeah you'd have to limit that statement. You'd have to say um, some traditional British food, um, I don't know, is not often cooked in a tasty way. I don't know. You'd have to be careful. Again, you, you know, it could be offensive to somebody if you said that everything about their food is awful. <laughs> so here's an example with too much hedging. It is likely that some aspects of British cuisine might arguably be considered to be somewhat bland when compared to other cuisines, which tend to favour using a wider variety of flavourings, which have the potential to produce food which can safely be labelled as tasty. Okay, it's a ridiculous statement, it's too long, but you can see the elements of hedging. Um, you know, arguably, it might be considered to be 
quite tasteless compared to other foods. Um, but it's too much hedging. So this is what I've suggested an appropriate level of hedging could be. British food is often considered to be somewhat lacking in variety when compared to the cuisines of other countries. That's it. That, that's all you need. Nothing more than that, really. You've made your point and nobody could really disagree with you because you've said it's often considered to be somewhat lacking. It's a much safer statement that you can then expand on later with your examples or your explanations. And I've got one there for you to practice as well. So if you go to the blog, I've made a generalization. Men prefer science subjects, whereas women choose arts subjects. What's the problem with this? Well, it's simply not true. Men, not all men prefer all science subjects and not all women choose art subjects. So if you go to the blog, what I'd like you to do is to um, make a sentence like that of your own and then compare it with the answer on my blog. So Thanks very much for listening. I will be back soon next week when I probably will take you through the last seven days of the uh, Advent Challenge. It's still going. Do come and join me in the Facebook group and on my website where um, you'll find all the details. Thanks very much for listening. Speak to you soon. Bye-bye.